All right, I think we're back live. Everyone's making introductions. This is the Outside of Music Happy Hour chat for Monday, April 20th. Oop, we did just lose somebody. Who did we lose? My screen, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb just jumped Caleb's off. done. He's just like, yeah, I'm actually done with this. We can hear uh, from New York some of the 7 p.m. Uh, cheers for all the uh, frontline workers. And so that's yeah. really cool. Uh, sorry to pull you away from that, the cheering. Nick, I know you'd be out the window with, you know, bells and on and the trombone yep. blaring out the window. Uh, many trombones just out the window, yeah. <laughs> many trombones. But uh, for those people that are listening rather than watching, I want to give everybody the chance to introduce themselves. So why don't you let us know who you are and where you are and uh, a fun fact about yourself, if you feel like sharing. So let's start with Jen. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm Jen Allen. I live in West Hartford, Connecticut. Um, fun facts, huh? Hmm. Bones just out the window. <laughs> but uh, for those, fun fact. Um, I love going on hikes. It's not really fun, but that's a fun fact. Hikes okay. are fun. Yeah, I love going on hikes. Excellent. All right, Andy. Hello, everybody. Great to see uh, some of you all again. My name is Andy Bianco. I'm a professional performing guitarist and composer <laughs> from uh, Brooklyn. And um, I'm here promoting my record, uh, NYC Stories, which is on Outside In's imprint Next Level Records. And a fun fact about me is I love scuba diving, but I haven't gone scuba diving for quite a while, but I love it. <laughs> nice. I, I uh... recommend it to everybody. They should all try it because it's awesome. Scuba diving. All right. Yeah, it's dope. Uh, how about Nick? Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so my name is Nick, uh, also Nick, but Nick Grinder. Uh, I do also play trombone. Um, I live in New York City uh, in Washington Heights. Um, as you can hear, there's sort of dying down now. There's a hospital right near us, so we there's a lot of cheering that happens at uh, 7. I guess it's 7 o'clock. Um, anyway, yeah, a, a fun fact um, about me. I, I own a lot of trombones, and today I found the oldest trombone that I own, and it's from 1924. So I have an old oh. trombone. I'm impressed. 1924. Kind of, Which that horn fun. was that? Uh, it's an 18H. It's a Con 18H. Oh, um, yeah, nice. just, it was kind of like a, you know, at, back in the day before all this, you know, you go on eBay you you know you see something you like you make a low bid on it, it you know so I, I got an ebay thing and it's uh it's cool though it's great that's actually a really great instrument we can be happy to talk more about it but i'm sure you guys <laughs> don't <laughs> the only people care about, that's you, know. you and i we yeah we'll yeah talk I know, about yeah. it later. and brian crock he actually loves trombones he told me that <laughs> <the other day. laughs> yeah. i love them talking. so much i had to run away when you started talking yeah, about it it's true it's just to cry and joy it's your photo though your your photo the i voted photo that was good yeah. Oh, that, oh, that was my, that was what you saw. Yeah, it was great. Uh, okay. How about Chad? Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Chad McCullough. I live in Chicago and fun fact. Um, uh, I'm going to have a, a baby next week. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm not, but you know, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's pretty Congrats. fun. That's a fun awesome. fact for Congrats, sure. Buddy. Yeah. Thanks. So, so Chad has a record coming uh, in the fall, late this fall, yep. and he's he forgot to mention that he plays the trumpet. Mm. And, I do. And, uh, uh, I have a mute from 1925. Does that count? <laughs> That's oh shit. Oh. <laughs> Got a one-up grinder. That's oh, man. 
I was going to say, perhaps since we're talking about instruments, we could talk about how there's great dip buying opportunities in the vintage instrument market, at least for guitars and basses. Really? Absolutely. That's that's a to- possible topic nice. of discussion. I don't know if it's the same thing with brass and woodwinds, but I imagine it is to an extent. I don't know. I'm not much of a collector. I've got one trombone and I kind of stick with it. So There you go. Smart. Uh, Smart. <laughs> all right, Caleb, you want to say hello? Hi, uh, I'm... My name is Caleb Curtis. I'm a saxophonist, or I've been seen playing saxophone in the past. Uh, we'll see. And um, fun fact, I'm having internet problems, and also, like, everything's happening to me all at once. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to be focused here. So uh, give me catch. Uh, let me have a break if I if okay. I dip out for a second. <laughs> all good. Yeah, free, all feel right. free. Come and go as you please. Yeah. Nice. We're up to eight now. Awesome. We got eight now. That's true. All right. Hey, hey, we're just are joined by Dave Barron. Yeah, so Dave, we're uh, we're we're going around and everybody's introducing themselves, saying right. where they are, who they are, and uh, also sharing a fun fact if you feel so inclined. Oh, fun fact! Um, well, okay, I'm Dave Barron, bass player. Uh, I've known Nick for quite some time. I know a bunch of you guys. Actually, I think I've known the longest, Jen Allen. We uh, I used to play in her band back in Connecticut in Hartford, so it's been a, a second since I've seen you, Jen. No, I'm doing well, um, and I'm in Brooklyn right now. Uh, I was thinking about going to Connecticut to see my dad, but I didn't want to deal with the 14-day quarantine before you should see family and so, and so on and so forth. Right. Not to mention, I usually get bored after a week while I'm while I'm, while I'm at home. Uh, that is home at my dad's house, so figured I have a lot more to occupy myself here in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. I bet. And Dave also is one of his uh, record that came out. What year was that? Twenty sixteen. So Dave's one of the first albums to come out on Outside of Music, wow. way back. Yeah, a long time. One of the first records. And he doesn't even like to tell anyone about that record. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like a, a different person in a way because I, I was a lot heavier back then. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And Brian, I'm sorry that we delayed your introduction slightly to Dave. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm I'm sorry I ran off. I was, I needed to get my headphones because for whatever reason, when I'm on Zoom, the audio just kills my ears coming out of my iPad. I don't know why, because it's not huh. loud, but it just makes them go like, woof, woof, woof. I don't, anyways, I'm Brian Kroc. Um, I'm a saxophone player and a composer. Um, I've got a couple records out on outside in music and um a fun fact about me i went to trader joe's today which oh, was an it nice. was an ordeal yeah i'm sure it was. how long Damn. did you wait in line uh not terribly long uh there were maybe we we went i think at a good time but uh but i, I don't know if you guys can relate to this but the vibe in grocery stores it's weird it's like so dark yeah. and I, know. I bumped, I bumped into somebody and I was like, excuse me. And they looked at me like they wanted to kill me. Yeah, I, the me. whole time your heart's like, you feel like you're doing something awful. You know? Yeah, it's, it's like, intense, man. It shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah. It's like I'm, war, I'm, war time. It is. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> I went so, to Rite Aid today. It was, it was it was much worse. Don't go to Rite Aid. Really? Guys. Worse? Well, it was just it was just weird. It was because that vibe was like it was like times ten. I mean, to me, I don't know. I've been to a grocery store too, and it, it, it's weird, but it's Rite Aid is definitely. Horrible. Try standing in line at the pharmacy. 
that's Ooh, about yeah. the, yeah. the peak I, that I I've think I found a, I figured out a way to get by all this is I just don't go to any like name brand. <laughs> I won't go to any Whole Foods. I won't go to yeah. any Let's go to my local supermarket. But no one goes there anyways. So yeah. there's no lines and there's, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. So. Delis have been cool. Say it again. I just said delis have been cool. For oh, me. yeah. You know, it's the same sort of, yeah. So I'm sure all of you got all of you have been, you know, having to do various levels of like connecting and teaching and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, Brian, you were mentioning Zoom audio problems and Caleb is having some problems with Zoom. Has, has anybody tried any other of these platforms that have pop, been popping up for teaching? Obviously, there's the old ones like Skype and FaceTime and that. But has anybody uh, tried any of these other ones? There's one I heard called Blue Jeans. There's another one. Uh, some other ones I've heard kind of pop up. Does anybody have better experiences with any other? Actually, Blue Jeans is a high-end audio uh, cable company as well. I don't, <laughs> I oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I've actually only been doing Zoom, and I think I did FaceTime once, um, but it's basically the same thing. Actually, Zoom was a little bit less laggy than FaceTime. But I did find that if you use your computer on both ends, it ends up being a lot better. Some something about iPads and iPhones that kind of makes it a little bit more laggy. Mm. I always just do my computer uh, now. Um, but yeah. It's a useful observation. <laughs> yeah, but it's still, it's still an issue no matter what. Um, yeah. But uh, huh. that's my, my experience with it. I've tried out, um, well, it's I'm in an interesting situation. I teach at Brooklyn Conservatory and we were doing all of our training towards teaching on Zoom. And then the DOE um, kind of well, not kind of, they do not recommend using Zoom anymore. Hmm. Um, and it might actually become a law not to use Zoom because they've been having troubles with people uh, sneaking in. It's Zoom bombing. Zoom like, bombing. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe so it'll happen now. It's a pandemic in <laughs> itself. So I guess the safety <laughs> precautions aren't great on Zoom. So now we're, we're looking into Flipgrid and, um, hmm. and then um, what is it? Uh, uh, What's the one called Teams? Microsoft Teams or? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah teams. But yeah, it's it's interesting for me because I don't know if you any of you are teaching children, but uh, as an adult, you're at such a dis disadvantage because kids are just so much better at technology. Um, so uh, I feel it's making me feel like a gomer. I don't know if you guys. Know that <laughs> I like that. It's funny. Heard that in a while, but thanks for bringing it back into the rhetoric. Yeah, it's funny that you said, I think that uh, uh, young adults and children would be better at this stuff than us. But I think they're better at, like, at least in my case, they're better at social media and all that stuff. But I think everyone is kind of new to this whole virtual classroom type vibe. So I think, at least in my case, that we're all on the same page. Like, I'm like, how do you do this? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that a lot of these kids don't have internet, like good internet. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing is, you know, as a trumpet, like if they're not playing into a mic, it just, they'll go and they're all idiots and they'll put the mic, the horn right there. And it's just like, <laughs> I can't hear, man. you got to do that again. If any of Chad's students are listening right now, by the way, he didn't. Yeah. No, I was talking about the other kids. The other kids. I'm talking about somebody else's students. Yeah. There's definitely like an issue with like I'm a pianist, so having the camera at the right angle to see their hands. I mean, if it's if it's an older student and they get stuff, it's not a big deal. But if they are younger, it is 
it's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, so look like right at this angle, and you're like, I can't see left hand at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm dealing with the same thing, Jen, uh, with my younger guitar students because, like, I'm used to being so hands on with the kids, like really, like showing them how my hand looks, and then being like, okay, make your hand look my look just like my hand, and it's just so hard to, um, you know, to really give that full experience uh, virtually, which is it's a challenge, but. I guess it's something that we'll have to sort of work through. Yeah, I never realized how much challenge that I would have. Like, I teach, this is where I also where I stand when I'm teaching. And like, I was nice. trying to show somebody something and then I realized like, this yeah. is in the way and I can't show them the slide thing. And then I was yeah. like, yeah. I was just like, man. Yeah, you, you spent like five, five minutes trying to- <laughs> Trying to like, yeah. go like this. Porn. Yeah. Well, it's uh, an issue because you know, the, the headphone wire gets in the way. So I have to like kick the headphones off and get in great position with the headphones back on. Ah. So I, I kind of, I guess my general teaching style is like, I don't usually play for the student. Mm -hmm. It's just them playing, I'm commentating and stuff like that. So it makes it a little bit easier, but if I do want to try to demonstrate something, it's I have to take like a five minute setup to <laughs> in the middle of the lesson. So that's the tough part I'm trying to get, get around. I do like, uh having like finale open or the music app so that you can like share the screen and say oh no no no, no. do it like this and mm -hmm. that's do the other the other programs have that there's the screen sharing yeah uh i think so well some of them facetime definitely not so that's yeah, right. that's one reason why i haven't does, done does that skype much. do it yes oh, okay yeah i'm you can also with I know with Zoom you can also connect Sorry, your phone guys. as an external device and like hey, have another screen. Caleb just jumps in. He's Caleb's like, out. Yep, he's he, out. He left. <laughs> he's like, and he's out. He's like, I'm puts, not done with this conversation. Puts his puts his two cents in and then back to the photo. Yeah. <laughs> great photo. It does. It looks great. We we're all jealous. I know, right? I know. Good looking guy. What a beard. <laughs> what a beard. He's had that beard for a long time too. Yeah, I know. Impressive. That's one I'm growing out around this time is because I don't have to go out, so I'm just growing out the beard. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, before all this is over. <laughs> I've been I, I I caved and I shaved me because it gets so at a certain length. It's just like I don't know. I couldn't hang basically. I shaved once and I'm growing it again. See how I can get it. So yeah, we're we're no I'm no Caleb Curtis. I guess is what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't grow facial hair anyway, so I just kept I just keep shaving. So yeah, I've never seen Nick with a beard. I guess I can't. That. There's a reason. Uh, my brother is growing it out. It's so gross, and my dad, when he tries to do it, it looks so terrible. Go with the stash, man. That's a let's do the Croc specialty there. It's you know the Croc special. Yeah. Get Although now that <laughs> now that Caleb's back, I'm hey Caleb. I do want to tell this little <laughs> hey, anecdote because I think this is before any of you guys knew me, but I used to have a big beard. And I remember the first time I met Caleb because it was at um, it was at uh, a jam session at Sir D's. What was Sir D's called? Lounge. Sir... How dare you remember it as Sir D's? <laughs> yeah, for real. Come on. <laughs> we can so, do better. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, it was at the tea lounge, and I remember you coming up to me, Caleb, and be like, "Oh no, there's another saxophone player with a big beard. This is bad." <laughs> An alto you know, player with a big beard and glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Notice like my glasses are now off. Oh. Yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> I got to differentiate myself from Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I noticed. Um, 
that Brian this week launched a new uh, series of videos. Um, yeah, I saw that, man. You're uh, what was it? The, you did a Billy Strayhorn arrangement. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, actually that right... was marvelous, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. man. Sorry to interrupt. It. No, that's okay. Do you, Brian, could you uh, fill us in a little bit about what that was, and then I'd love to hear what everybody else has been kind of up to, whether it's a project like that or just kind of something to, they're doing to cope. Sure. Um, so I started this series called Score Study. Actually, right before this conversation, I just finished recording the me talking to the camera portion of the next episode, which is easily, I think, the hardest part about the social media stuff for me is is talking, hearing your own voice, realizing how stupid you sound when you talk, and looking at your face for hours as you're editing. It's just like, oh, man. It's hard. I hope it gets easier because I'm in, t I, the intent is that I'm going to continue doing uh, a video and releasing one every Friday. So I'm on track to be doing that for the next couple videos. And um, I just thought, well, first of all, you know, um, I'm, I consider myself pretty far behind the um, wave of the future and i actually just this morning i was talking to somebody nick and i mentioned your name nick finzer as somebody who's been doing this for a long time who i'm sort of trying to emulate which is just you know creating a community uh, around um yeah <laughs> no but i mean that Nick's 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 uh, a trailblazer in this respect because who knows how long this is gonna last you know right, then, no, totally. yeah. there's all this talk about another wave and um and so now i just have the time and i'd have no excuses i feel like i have to be doing something to continue um <clears throat> creating so and I, you know i also have to say that i've been really surprised how much i'm enjoying it it's a lot of fun to like edit videos and i'm at that beginner stage where you know like when you're a beginner at something you, you're learning so quickly and it's like, oh, I wanna do one of those cool effects where the camera zooms in, but the background kind of stays the same. And then you do a little research, figure out how to do it on Final Cut Pro. And it's like, it's such a great feeling um, to be learning so much so quickly. So yeah, and then it's gonna be- um, Awesome. The, the idea is that the videos are tied in with a Patreon page that I just started. So oh, nice. you know, I've, been I've been checking out uh, Dan Weiss's Patreon for a long time. Um, and I think it's a cool model, great way to connect with people who like what you do. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. What's everybody else doing? Can you guys just tell me what Patreon is? I I'm, I'm way out of the loop. So. Wow, Dave, way out of the loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon is a, is a model where, um, people can, can basically subscribe to you and the content that you create. They can, they are given options of paying you a dollar a month, $3 a month, $10 a month. Um, you can, you know, Dan Weiss has people paying him a hundred dollars a month um, because he's putting so much great valuable information up there. Um, so um, I'm, I'm starting small because I'm new to it. I'm sort of feeling it out. So there's I, like the I three dollars. I just uh, didn't know it was called that because I've heard uh, that stuff before. Mm, so. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, what are you? What are you up to? You're the first time on the show, aren't you? 
Uh, I play a lot of long tones. Sit here. Uh, no, I uh, actually like two days uh, when the everything shut down when the, when the world ended. Uh, I was two days away from a two and a half week tour in Europe with a keyboard player, um, and we were gonna w- release a duo album. And I think we had seventeen shows or something and so it was terrible and so we've been doing a bunch of videos of that stuff he had written a 25 movement suite and so Whoa. we're yeah awesome. um yeah so the, uh, we're releasing a couple like you know three minute little clips of that he had a, a book published with all the um all the scores and everything, you know, it was going to be this epic, perfect world domination tour. And so, so that's been part of it. And, um, I teach at a couple of universities in the Midwest. And so that is a lot. And mm-hmm. then trying to get ready for a baby. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm man. Sure. That's a lot. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> What about you, Caleb? What have you been doing since we talked to you last? <laughs> um, I had a practice meltdown. <laughs> I stopped practicing. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> because it was turning, it was turning bad. It was turning, it was going bad, and I, and I didn't want it to be negative, <laughs> so I yeah. stopped. That and, would be a good thing to talk about, man. That shit is some real shit. You know, Sorry. and uh, I mean, it's not the first time that's happened to me. The the first time I really stopped was last summer and um, for a couple of weeks, which was very interesting. And I got out of that a different way than I'm going to get out of this one. But I'm very, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit worried at the moment for myself that uh, I, the thing that I can figure out to work on is like mechanical. And I don't, when I comes back time to get to play with people, I want to make sure my head's turned, you know, screwed on right. And, uh, and I, the things that I want to focus on, and those aren't typically mechanics in a performance, in a musical situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think also I realized that I, my tour in California in October will probably be canceled. And, um, and that to me was like a, um, a big marking point of a, a lot of stuff I would could look forward to. Um, hanging with my friends in the band, doing a road trip, playing gigs, seeing my brother who moved out to California. So, you know, that multiplied times this other thing. And I was like, I got to stop until I'm ready to come back. Until I know what I'm, what I'm doing, what's the, like, what am I working on? What's the point? Um, not that it's like always about putting, pushing towards a performance, but right now, if I don't play for a month, it won't make a difference when it's time to come back. So sure. that's what I have to, you know, physically it won't make a difference. So um, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Mm. Well, I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure so I'm not all, I'm not all like, woo, woo, in the yeah, shed. Yeah, yeah. I was for a little <laughs> while, you know, but, uh, but it's not, it hasn't been possible for me to maintain that. And also a good outlook. I think the other part of it is that I'm practicing all the time in this whisper room, mm. which I feel very grateful to have. But in comparison to my practice studio that I normally go to, um, there's nowhere for the sound to go, and the sound is trapped in this room. And I and it's hard for me to think bigger than the instrument and what's right in my hands. 
Um, it's even so loud in here. I wear earplugs, you know, when I'm really oh, playing. Wow. So, um, that's not like there is, if I'm trying to work on sound and timbre and mm, creativity or whatever, you know, that's not really possible for me in this space at this moment. So, you know, man, I, I just got, I gotta say there's so much stuff you said that I related to Caleb. Um, and just, just the last thing it's like, you know, we, we all are uh, jazz musicians, sort of whatever that means, you know, but I, you know, we'll practice along with play alongs and stuff like that. And I notice, you know, we, I think we have, some of us have this app called I real B or whatever, and it's basically mm -hmm. banded box. Um, and I, I really hate practicing with that stuff. I, can't and I know it. I, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, you, you know, sometimes you have to do it or whatever. It's like, sometimes, you know, it's, it's a tool, I guess, like anything else, but I notice how much worse I sound and feel when I play with that versus just this app called drum genius, which is just a drummer, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. drum genius is cool. Yeah. Cause I think they just, it actually is somebody who is playing and they just looped it or whatever. Um, but it's just amazing how that, that kind of thing can just change your whole, your whole relationship to the, to music, you know? And it's like, yeah. usually we, I guess usually I, we base that off of playing with other people, you know? And it's like, yeah, it, it's just amazing how I, I've been practicing in different rooms in my house. I have like, basically my, I have a, a music room that I have, my partner is now using that as a workspace, basically, because mm -hmm. she's, she's working from home. I'm not, but, um, so I've been practicing in a different room and it, it actually, I actually really like it. It's actually changed. I feel like things are a lot different, which has kind of helped the whole yeah. thing. You know, it's like, I mean, I have to say, I think Drum Genius is great mm -hmm. for, for playing along with uh, something that is pre-existing. Yeah. That's the best I've ever that kind of thing. experienced. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that somebody sequenced those drums. So a drummer who knows the details yeah. of how they're being played, they like went in with a sample pack. Oh, and yeah. Put everything in the right place. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty happening. Uh, but, you know, that's also like a whole thing. And, and I've in the past had lots of time where I felt really like going through all the all the keys and all the tempos and all the variations and mm -hmm. do all the inversions and do all, you know, and play them all and try to do it. And uh, I'm just not in that. That's I'm not in that space right now, musically mm -hmm. to feel like that's, yeah. it's going to hook up with my values when I come out of this. And um, yeah. sometimes it is, I mean, sometimes it's really, that's really what I need, but I've been trying to figure out how to get the feeling of improvising along with somebody improvising and yeah, that's i mean you know, like that's very it's with, very challenging yeah playing along with like tony williams or elvin like you can yeah. get a little bit of that you know a little bit yeah sometimes more than i real book or whatever you definitely know. totally uh, yeah i had fun playing along to my friend thomas marriott's new record um without knowing any of the tunes on it yeah. and uh Tom's it just, my boy yeah <laughs> i love that guy <laughs> and the playing is great and also it's my you know other people I play with in the band. So it's like he a little bit like getting to play with my friends yeah. and trying to like open my ears up. That helped. And then also I, I did some videos where I was layering myself improvising. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a little bit of the feeling because I could think into my own thought process on the previous layer. So it was still like, I could still change the direction of the, because it's just one voice. I could change the direction of something or like comment and it would matter. Um, but anyway, that's, this is, these are my, my problems. All right. Very good. <laughs> uh, what about Jen? What have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? Uh, 
<laughs> trying to do some stuff. I just, I'm, I'm finishing up a big band chart right now that I owe to a school. Um, I owed it to them back in the end of February, but when um, I needed a little extension and then everything happened and they didn't need it anyway. So <laughs> I've just been putting it off. Um, so I'm finishing that up right now and that should be finished hopefully this week. Um, and I, it's it's just editing. Editing big band charts is like, Oof. my nemesis. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather write an entirely new. Stuff, but I hate, I hate doing all the like nitty gritty. Did I get all the dynamics? Did I get all the <laughs> rum part right? Yeah, so I'm doing that. Um, and then I'm just, I don't know, I'm working on some projects with a couple other musicians just virtually. Hmm. Trying to just keep myself motivated because I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like feeling very motivated myself, but um, I, I have written a couple of tunes because of those projects, like just talking with other musicians, trying to keep myself uh, in a good headspace. It's easy to, it's easy to get um, stuck in my head. So the hiking, the getting outside and all that, mm -hmm. um, really good to clear my head and uh, remind me that this is not forever. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So, so important. What about you, Dave? What have you been up to? I haven't seen you in a while. I know, it's been a minute. Um, so I've been, supposed uh, to play at Birdland, but that never happened. Oh, yeah, we do a little <laughs> mini, mini Nick Finzer. Mini tour, tour. yeah. It didn't work out oh. that way, though. Um, you know, it's been an interesting time. Uh, you know, basically my entire book has been cleared. Um, I guess I still, I still I teach at a New Jersey performing arts center. They have like a Saturday program. So we've kind of moved to the virtual space for that. So I've been doing that every Saturday, uh, which of course has its problems, but uh, we're working through them. Uh, and, and then uh, I've been working, Ron Carter is kind of a mentor of mine. So I, um, I've been working with him with his publishing company. So I'm, nice. like, I'm a Sibelius pro so I can put together charts that look really nice. So I, I do a bunch of stuff with him with that. And then I've also been, this is like kind of a lo long-term project that I've never really had time to tackle, uh, but now I have all the time in the world. So I, there's like a solo bass project I've been doing where I just take classical, famous classical melodies and I try to, it's like a puzzle and how do I make it sound like that piece with just the bass, nothing mm. else happening. So I, mm. I spent, I've been doing that for a couple of years, but now I actually have like all of them kind of whipped up into shapes and I'm going to try to record them and maybe possibly release a book of some kind with that. I don't know. It's uh, in the process. I'm still figuring it out. Um, I don't know. And then I'm just using this time just to practice quite a bit just because I a lot of times I I'll go through phases during normal life where I, I practice and then I just don't have enough time in the day to really get all of it in and now I can kind of just do what I've what I wanted to accomplish with no nothing in the in the way so and, and you know I this is kind of, I mean yes it is trying for a lot of people but my personality is like I go between being very social and then just wanting to be like a hermit secluded from everyone. So I'm, I'm kind of not in a weird place in all this because I kind of like seclusion in some way or some form. Of course, I do miss playing with people and being around people, 
but you know, I, I can at least use this time constructively uh, to get stuff done. So it's it's not all bad, you know, although it is quite bad. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Andy, why don't you let it, what have you been up to? You've been shopping for guitars, it sounds like. Well, I'm trying, <laughs> actually trying not to, even though there's a lot of great deals, really, really avoiding it. Um, but actually, you know, to, uh, to Dave's point, um, you know, I, I think um, I try to make the best out of a, a bad situation, which I'm sure we all do to the best that we can uh, to some extent. And one of the things that I've been focusing more is to try to sort of embrace this inevitable social isolation and this sort of alone time and sort of more uh, solitary time. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've been doing is I've been really focusing on my solo playing and just really kind of getting into that space because I'm a type of person, I'm, I'm fairly extroverted. I, I love interacting with other people. I love playing and feeding off other people in the band. And I've always been more of, of that, you know, that type of spirit that positively feeds off the energy uh, and the like-mindedness of my colleagues on the bandstand and off the bandstand. Um, but I've been really, taking advantage of this time to really kind of be like, all right, well, you know, I may as well make the most of the situation since we are in, you know, socially isolating and socially distancing to really kind of just sort of get more comfortable um, in that sort of solitary uh, solo sort of guitar type of space. So I've been, I've been working on quite a bit of that. Um, I've been working on uh, arranging a lot of tunes of mine that I would do with my trio and my larger ensembles but just sort of experimenting with different types of um, voicings and different rearrangements. And I've been transcribing stuff along the lines of that. Um, so it's sort of all kind of in that sort of mind space where I'm trying to embrace, uh, you know, the, the, the inevitability of the situation, which, you know, I think kind of in a, in a larger meta philosophy, I mean, I think, you know, it's, I remember hearing Miles Davis say something like, you know, turn your weaknesses, you know, what you struggle with, try to turn that into a strength or a challenge. So it's like, as I said, I've, I've never been someone that really loved playing solo. Whenever I would do solo gigs, I get bored and I'm like, okay, like I'd rather be playing with somebody else, you know, but so I've been embracing that and it's been good. It's been, it's been great. Um, you know, I've also been doing just catching up on quite a bit of reading. And I think this is a great time for all of us as artists. You know, it, it's, it, it's like, the situation that we're in, I think it's more important than ever, especially as artists. I feel like we tend to be more sensitive to things. I think it's really important that we do the best that we can to fortify ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, in mind and body, just, you know, to be strong through this and also try to capitalize on the opportunities that it presents ourselves. And that way we can reemerge on the other side, stronger and uh, just more resilient than ever. So. Yeah. Great. Well, what was that? Somebody's got another beer. Oh, there we go. Cheers. <laughs> no, that's that's important. It's important. So, all right, I might open up a can of worms that I don't know if I can close by asking this, oh. Oh. this, this question here. Yes. So, earlier today, um, so earlier today, I was teaching a lesson, and we kind of got off topic. Started talking about teaching uh, jazz and talking and playing jazz, and just like what is missing a lot of times you find like a lot of students that are extremely proficient they can play all the stuff they know all the modes they know all the scales they blah 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 a million solos but there's still something that's always miss it that's missing from when uh, you hear them or when they play and this was becoming 
coming to light because this was one of my students that he also has students. And so he was, we were talking about this. He's like, I don't know how to help them because right now they can't play with anybody. And, you know, I don't know, they're just like regurgitating all this information and I, I don't know what to tell them to do and this kind of thing. And so what we, I kind of ended up saying is that was that we, they needed to try to help the students to develop like that musical intuition because that's the word, the best word I could describe, like how great musicians play well with other musicians is like, they have this sixth sense of like what that person's going to play before they play it or to or to come to the same decisions at the same time so and they let the music take them there i don't know if this makes any sense but uh so we started having this conversation about that that missing link between proficiency and really great music making mm -hmm. and so um i'm wondering what your your all thoughts about that were because i was like kind of lost in that conversation can i jump today. in here yeah please okay just who well, I wanted to all, hear from about that. <laughs> I, want to, I want to say that, uh, that, you know, I'm speaking hypothetically here because I don't have to keep an active teaching studio. And so sometimes I, have a, I can have a tendency to, like, get all up in the clouds. And I don't know what the reality then is when you're taking actual students on a weekly basis, you know, and it's different. Uh, I think that my, my experience personally was that... I, I started to realize that, and I talked about this a little bit on the first chat that I did with with Nick, and um, was that I think that there's basically two, four, especially for instrumentalists, there's two different musicians. There's the musician that is that is holding the instrument that we're playing, and there's the musician that's inside of our body. The one that like, and and the closest I've come to to measuring what the the music that can come from from myself is like singing or playing rhythms and it's very uncomfortable and awkward because my body doesn't know how to do that stuff well but when it improves even like this much the difference between you know to like be able to sing a third or recognize how to how to how to generate it or then if i can generate it like this then i can hear it like that and the same with the rhythm if i you know i think for years and years and years even a triplet for me was just squeezing three you know three uh three notes and two beats not really hearing the like the the dissonance of those two rhythms right and uh, i think that a lot of people especially young players that side of their of their musicianship the musicianship that comes that they can generate from themselves without the instrument is very 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 underdeveloped and that's you know, why I think like when I used to hear singer songwriters or something like even college singer songwriters, if they're playing and singing, they're doing something that the jazz students can't do. Mm. And, uh, and, <clears throat> and that's why and I, I think it's, it's like, in some ways, I wish that we could teach, I could have learned, I'll put it that way, the first year of music school for four years, that like, the, the ability to understand that first like semester of music theory one where you have like the fifth you, the, the phrase ends with the fifth in the bass or the fifth in, in the melody or the root you know or whatever like all the different varying levels of tension and expansion and contraction and those are really important and we move on from them very fast because it's because the desire for progress is really high and uh, and it's easy to measure progress by introducing complexity and I think that we haven't, I mean, myself and many other people have not mastered the basics, the fundamental 
units of rhythm and of harmony and melody. And uh, because we want to move on really fast, you know, it's like we want to deal with the shit up here. But in the end, I don't know. I love Bill Frizzell. And when he goes to the four chord, it sounds incredible. <laughs> the four yes. chord, you know what I mean? It's the best chord. And uh, that's, I mean, that's where I've experienced the real gap. When I work on, when I work on closing that gap, then when I play, I, it's much easier for me to, to connect to reality and with the other musicians and play something with purpose, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of think that, um, I, I, I studied my teacher in college, Bob McChesney, um, was telling me, he was sort of like, you know, when you're in college, everything is, you're like fitting everything in this jar and you, you can fit it in the jar, but you got to like take it out of the jar and examine it. And he was saying that sort of after he was, you know, after you're in college, you actually have time to kind of do that. And you also probably, I mean, maybe you have to do other stuff than just play jazz. Um, and I feel like when I, when I have spent a lot of time, I, I play a lot of, you know, I, I wish that everything I did was just jazz, but I do a lot of other kinds of music. Um, and every time I go back to playing like improvised music with people, um, it's, I find what an amazing gift it is and how sometimes my time away from that has made me look at it in a different way or whatever, you know, it's like it, that can really give you a fresh sort of outlook and even just not being in school can give you a fresh outlook and a fresh sort of perspective on, on the music in general. And I, I think, I don't know. I, so I was almost, there's part of me that feels like that, that, that feeling um, kind of what you love the most on the music is going to come up to the top. Um, and that maybe that will be that intuition. Usually, you know, we all like playing with other people and like making those musical moments happen um, and experiencing those moments or whatever. But I, I think, you know, it's it's all just a part of the process of, you know, being focused on what you love to do. You know, as long as you're focused on that sort of thing, then I mean, that's like super broad in general. But I mean, it also is applicable now because we all have time. I mean, I have a lot of time right now that I'm spending practicing and stuff. Um, and I'm sure when I go back to play with other people, I'm going to like, it's all going to be so fresh, you know, and when that freshness is, I think really that that shows you a lot about the kind of musician you are and like how to, you know, how to do that. And I, you know, I feel like throughout, throughout all, throughout everything you do, that sort of thing just happens as long as you keep focusing on it in a way. So. Okay. Getting, getting onto what Nick was saying about like how the students weren't being motivated and, and so on and so forth. Um, I've kind of, uh, come to realize that, um, you know, there's two parts of practicing. There's, uh, practicing like the technical facility of your instrument and then practicing music and practicing music can really only be done with other people in a way. Um, so since we aren't able to do that, I, I, I guess the purpose for my practicing is to maintain a certain technical facility. And then I split that time with listening to music, but not just listening to it in the background. I'll actually sit down, put a record on, listen to it multiple times. You know, it's just being with the music. And I, I actually find that to be a big game changer. I actually started doing that this before all this. So I stopped listening to music on the subway or any other time I would only, I would only do it when I was intently listening to music, doing nothing else. So I'll sit down on the couch and I got like a nice sound system just because I wanted to listen to it the best way I possibly could. 
and it makes a big difference. You know, you, you, you notice things that you probably wouldn't have noticed when you're like doing the dishes, listening to music or doing laundry or whatever, whatever it is, because the mind is so easily distracted by little things. So now if you're just 100% there, it's really there. Um, so I, 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 I would recommend that students actually have designated time just to listen to music and don't just like listen to it like one time, you know, you, you can listen to it m multiple times and gain something new from each time you listen to it. Um, so I, I'm really liking doing, I, I love doing that. Um, also another hole that I, I notice in uh, at least uh, college students and so on and so forth is the curriculum is all based on theoretical things like you're saying like modes and whatever it is, but there's a huge gap in rhythm, both in time and also just like rhythmic ideas of what it is and there's not much of a solution to how you can get better at that but just being aware that that there's like a big hole there so i'm kind of focusing on that a little bit just because i know that you know I, I went through the whole college system and they give you everything how you could possibly everything you could possibly do to get through a maze of of melody of uh, harmony or whatever but they don't give you the extra tools like rhythm and melody like a string going throughout the whole thing where it's not just lines that you learn but actually having a, a string through the whole thing where it <clears throat> has a connection with the song so th those are things that i, I would what how you work on those things is up to the teacher and up to your personal path but those things should definitely be addressed since they were kind of not addressed that much in school in my opinion i think just to add to that dave is that i totally agree is yeah. that it's um, if we can learn how to teach students to know why they like something, mm. like I, I've heard people be like, just to describe specifically when you're listening to music, like, why do you like that? Like, why is it good? You know, mm. like those, those little nuances of a, of a performance, it could be the expression, it could be the dynamics, it could be the rhythm, it could be the notes. But like, as a teacher, I find that I sometimes, I feel like students come to me like I'm a store, and they're just trying to get information and they want to, you know, it's like, but there, there's feeling in there. There's emotion in there in those recordings. And like, if they can put their finger on exactly why they like it, you know, it's not necessarily like the most complicated things, stuff like Caleb was saying, you know, it could be like coming back to the root things, but you see them presented in a new way. Like, how are they using it? And I try to get my students to articulate that stuff so that they can really dig a little deeper into the specific recordings. Because otherwise, it's, it is. It's just like a little, like a factory of, of notes. And, and just like the, the general public, they don't know that you're playing a Dorian scale or whatever it is. They, on, they only react to the motions that they have when they're listening to it. So to your point, like, we should focus on those types of things because that's how we reach the people. Mm -hmm. And to yeah, each other, you know, we talk about that in, in music school. Like, how do you, yeah. you emote music? Exactly. <laughs> I was never taught that. I had to figure that stuff out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm -hmm. There's one thing I'd like to just sort of add in terms of you know what Nick you introduced, which to me it's sort of like trying to address the missing link that you know a lot of students and young players are searching for, and then Caleb the issue of uh, complexity, and then Dave you're talking about the issue of the overemphasis on the theoretical. And then Jen talking about getting back to the, the root sort of things. Um, one thing that I think 
in my understanding of it, that's been very common with human beings for thousands of years, as long as we've had culture, have been three things. And they should revolve or they should pertain directly to music, but oftentimes they're lost in the modern age. Three things, singing, dancing, and storytelling. So these three elements, in my experience, the greatest players that can communicate on the highest level emotionally and that just for whatever reason seem to reach the largest amount of people. And then that translates into different types of, you know, success and, and, and whatever. Um, they either they come from a culture where they, that connection to singing, dancing and telling stories, it hasn't been severed by the complexity of the modern age or by an overemphasis um, on the theoretical and academia or by just some other sort of search for a cerebral sort of aesthetic. And I think that anything that we can do to integrate these fundamental elements of human culture that, I mean, I believe have been around for tens of thousands of years, human beings have been collectively singing, dancing and telling stories. And I feel like the best jazz musicians they play music that makes you want to sing, it makes you want to dance, and they're definitely telling a story. And and Andy, I agree with you completely. I just <clears throat> also want to make sure that we're not setting up a false dichotomy to our listeners where it's academia versus heartfelt truth or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah, the best right. jazz musicians have also been actively searching for cerebral, um, new solutions to musical problems sure so um so i don't think there's anything wrong with um the academic element um in music and i think it's something that attracts a lot of students actually to get back to what nick's original point um you know i think that a lot of students um f find issues because they simply aren't listening to music at least in my experience, a lot of my students just never ever listen to music. They might put music on or they might, it might be in a, the background of a show they like or a YouTube video, but they don't ever just sit there and listen. And they get rewarded in school for being able to understand mm -hmm. concepts. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's actually pretty, I think, a not to minimize it, but it's a pretty easy thing to be able to understand like what a B over C chord is, you know? And, um, and they might be impressed with themselves for being able to grasp something that that is just a theoretical concept. But at the end of the day, you know, it's much more complicated and, uh, and I think um, difficult to understand why resolving to a major third at the end of a piece is so deep. Why is, why is that so deep? It seems so simple. It's, it's, you learned it such a long time ago that as a student, you're no longer impressed by it. And that to me points to a, a, a lack of understanding because it's, it's so, so insanely cosmically deep to, you know, to, to have an, a unison octave. And why is that? complex why is that deep you know that's um it, so i don't know 
Yeah, man. I think also like yeah, you know the <laughs> like you you have to hear Bill Frizzell go to the four chord like a thousand times, mm-hmm. and then on the you know the thousandth and one you go, ah oh, yeah, yeah, the, oh, yeah okay, and that's and also, that's it's it like yeah, and also you have to try doing it yourself a thousand times yeah, and that's another thing just just for students you know. Like, I think I was one of those annoying students who thought they were so precocious. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it was until I played um, my 300th, four hour long um, restaurant background music gig, you know, that I finally started to understand, yeah. you know, after playing um, a, a simple song for the thousandth time. Yeah. And being like, why does this suck? Why do I sound like shit? And uh, and I, I can listen to yeah. Kenny Dorham play it and it sounds like the most magical thing ever. Yeah, well, that's the thing. As long as you're you're still pushing towards finding something in your music, you know, because if you're if you're truthful about yourself, that kind of thing, like, oh yeah, being impressed with yourself is not, that doesn't feel good after a while, you know? And it may be feel good in school because yeah, other people are impressed with you, but it doesn't, yeah, it, it's like, as long as you're, you're, really seeing like what is what feels good in music you know then i feel like you're gonna that all that other stuff is gonna get cleared away you know what i mean it'll just sort of that that thing will float to the top you know and that stuff will become meaningful you know like going to the forecourt yeah i mean i i think that we all know the feeling of being unimpressed with impressive stuff you know it's not uh it's not very it's not very it's not slick (laughs) it's just hard or impressive and you know the slick difficult shit that's something (laughs) you know yeah this was in relation we were talking about um i'll you know i'll give you some context this is a conversation he was learning the sorcerer from you know the hobo tune (laughs) Um, and he was like, I don't understand, like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand how like, we listen. We, we did, like, we listened to the, the version. Neither from, did they understand. Yeah, yeah. That's why it was great. Oh, yeah, we listened to three versions in a row. And he's like, I just, I don't understand, like, what is happening? And I'm like, it's, they're playing what they hear. They're playing with each other. It doesn't really matter what the changes are. He's like, well, it's different here and different here. I'm like, turn off your analytical brain and turn on the other brain. And play. Sometimes you have to analyze it though to 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 get to that point, you know, and and that's sure. that's what school is good, you know. Maybe for for whoever can take that take that lesson away from learning the analyzation stuff about it, you know, then then maybe you do need to analyze it. You know what I mean? It's like as long as you can get back to that thing where it's like, you know, like oh, okay, you know, <laughs> just listen or whatever, you know, whatever. I've, it may heard, be. I've heard a lot of students get caught up on the difference between not having a predetermined change and not having harmony. Mm. So they think like, oh, this has no harmony if there's not changes written. And um, that's just not true. I mean, as soon as you have two notes, you have harmony. And, uh, or one, but two in a row. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I think that when we have an ex, if we're not willing to let go of the expectation about what it says it's going to be, then when it's not there, it's really terrifying. It's like, well, what should you even play? Right. And that's the question. That ref- it comes up. And, but that reflects, I think, a fundamental misunderstanding of how it works. It's like one just a, one is a map, not the rules, and the other one is like, well, you don't need a map if you can go for a walk. 
know, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, and it's I I, under, I totally get that and understand it. Uh, but a lot of times the thing that doesn't have changes above it is just diatonic. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It's just a, it was an interesting path to that's go hard. down and try to explain it. You know, as as the yeah. person that's supposed to know. Uh, it sort of goes against everything they've been taught for all of school, right? Right. So it's like. I don't know. Let's listen to these records, and I don't know what they're doing, but it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> you figure it out. Well, not all music can be explained in words. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's there's a Frank <laughs> Zappa quote that's just so great. He says, "Talking about music is like dancing about architecture." <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's awesome. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up too much of everyone's time. I appreciate everybody going deep on this conversation, this topic that I kind of, I kind of uh, took That's a great with. question. I yeah, just, man. I didn't I like know how to, I didn't really know how to really great, give a good answer. So I'm doing yeah. my own research to try to give better answers. But uh, I'd love for everyone to be go around again and be able to share. If there's anything you wanted to, that you're working on that you want people to check out, videos, audios, I don't know paintings, whatever you're working on, uh, family photo books, whatever you feel like sharing, um, just where they can find you and uh, where they should, you know, check whatever it is that you're working on out. So how about, let's start with Nick. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything super new at the moment. I had an album come out last February and outside in called Farallon. I have another album that I self-released before then, a couple of years before then. You can find that on my website, www.nickgrinder.com. Working on a bunch of trombone quartets right now. Um, nice. So I don't know. Hopefully, um, I'm going to try to record them on this, you know. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see See if that happens. <laughs> Hope it nice. does. Yeah. Uh, Andy, what do you have, where do you want to send people? Once again, it was, uh, thanks for hosting this. It's great. Now we got it up to uh, eight people, and it was a great conversation, great meeting uh, um, to me for the first time. So I just, again, just promoting my record, NYC Stories, um, which is, came out February 7th. And um, I'm also promoting a, a record by my, my good friend and musical colleague, George Burton, called uh, Reciprocity on Inner Circle Records. And I'm on Instagram, at Bianco Andy, and Facebook at Andy Bianco Music. And I'm putting up new content weekly. And as I said, I'm mostly just kind of in a space where I'm doing a solo guitar thing. But I'm very inspired, you know, talking to and seeing what you're doing, Brian, and also you, Nick, about, you know, um, just the way that you're really utilizing the technological potentials to be the most creative. It's very inspiring. So it's going to helping me think in new directions. So thank you all. Yeah. And Jen, where can we send people? Um, you can go to jenallenmusic.com or find me on Instagram there. Same thing, Facebook. I have an album that came out just this past February. So um, called uh, Sifting Grace. You check that out. You can get that in any of those places. Excellent. Uh, Brian? Um, so I mostly want to just uh, direct people to my YouTube channel cool. um, and check out my score study videos. I've got um, two coming up. One's about uh, the Hungarian composer Georgi Ligeti and one of his piano etudes. Nice. Uh, and, and I arranged that for my big band, Big Heart Machine. And so the next video is about how I went about orchestrating that for a big band. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I guess check out Big Heart Machine, any listeners who might 
still be here. I'm proud of that band. And um, we have a live record coming out. I'm actually going to put it up for pre-order in a couple weeks. It's live at the Jazz Gallery. Um, and uh, yeah. Great. Chad? Good band. It's a good band. That's yeah, a good band. Uh, uh, I have a record coming out this fall. Uh, hopefully I'll have some gigs to promote it. <laughs> um, have some videos coming out with uh, the Belgian pianist Bram Waiters that are all over the internet and uh, websites and Facebooks and YouTubes and everywhere. Cool. Music. And what's, your web, what's your website address? chadmccullough.com mm. beautiful all beautiful. right mm. he, he was one of the few people that got his name actually yeah. that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh caleb where can we send people to listen to your stuff uh, well you can go to my website which is calebcurtis.com and um there we yeah, go see? we're on a roll and uh wow. when i was in middle school my dad bought me that domain oh wow. i've been rocking it ever since <laughs> and uh and I have a record coming out in September, even though we won't be able to do any gigs for it, called Ain't No Storm on Imani Records. And also I have a, a record from last year out on Outside In with uh, Noah Garabedian and Vinny Sparaza called New Year. It's Curtis Garabedian Sparaza. And otherwise, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, as much as my addiction demands it and as little as I can handle it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, try to move away, but it's hard. That's it might be a question for another back. time, but like, how do we, yeah, can we even leave them doing what we do? That's true. Uh, I'm wondering, I want to know the uh, answer. If the answer is yes, please tell me. If it's not, <laughs> then I don't really want to know. <laughs> if a bearded saxophonist plays music and no one's there to hear it, <laughs> we'll play. No, it doesn't matter. Trust me, no. Does Instagram exist? No. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is, a, that is another conversation to be had. Uh, but let's wrap it up with Dave. Let people know where they can find your music. Uh. Well, I guess I'm mostly a sideman, so you can find me on Nick's records and Alex Quinn's records, all these other other things. But I, I do have my own record. You can go onto my website, www.davebaronmusic.com. See, I'm in the same boat with Dave. I got music yeah, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I got some YouTube videos and stuff. I need to be better about actually releasing them. I have tons of videos that I that only I have access to. I haven't put them out yet. So I should get on that. Um, but other than that, just go to my website. So, Excellent. Well, yeah. thank you all of you very, very much for your time thank and energy you, and ideas. Thank you. Yeah, Nick. Really appreciate thank you, Nick. it. Fun. Thanks, Nick. And uh, we'll you be brother. back in a week. <laughs>